Here at Women Offshore, we are lucky to have several role models within our community. Women who have gone after their career dreams, and they're not afraid to share some of the challenges they've experienced along the way. They mentor other women within our network, and we are grateful for their contributions. Today, I am pleased to introduce you to one of those mentors. This is the Women Offshore Podcast. I'm your host, Ali Cedeno, a mariner and founder of Women Offshore. Women Offshore is a 501c3 nonprofit organization supporting a diverse workforce on the water. From being a cadet at California Maritime Academy to becoming a captain with Chevron, Captain Amanda Wallace has had an exciting and successful career at sea. She's been a mentor at Women Offshore, and at our conference on Friday, she's going to be speaking about managing relationships and having a career offshore. Captain Wallace's experience spans the maritime industry, from tractor tugs to a hopper dredge and product tankers. Having sailed from cadet to captain, Captain Wallace is now a marine superintendent for Chevron. She oversees the U.S. flag and shuttle tanker operations. I asked Captain Wallace to come on the show because she's been such a strong mentor and role model at Women Offshore. Before I bring on Captain Amanda to the show, I have an announcement to make. I'm so excited to finally reveal that Women Offshore's podcast is a part of the Oil & Gas Global Network. You may be familiar with them. They have several podcasts, such as Oil & Gas This Week and Oil & Gas Industry Leaders. They also have an offshore podcast, and I was recently a guest on their show. Thank you to the team at OGGN for all of their support. It's great to be a part of the network now. And now I'd like to welcome Captain Amanda Wallace to the show. Welcome, Captain Wallace, to the Women Offshore Podcast. Hi, Ali. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on your show. And I really appreciate everything you do for the maritime ministry and creating a platform for women to connect. Thanks so much, Captain Wallace. So what brought you into the maritime industry in the first place? Uh, It's just kind of by chance. I didn't really know what I wanted to do or be when I was in high school. I didn't know what route to take. So I was in this program called Sea Scouts based out of Richmond area, Richmond, California. The Sea Scout group was named the Odyssey, still is today. And I really enjoyed that program. So it's like a combination of Girl Scout, Boy Scouts, but maritime oriented. I really enjoyed climbing rope and tying knots and doing all these other traditional maritime activities. And so I heard about Cal Maritime through that program. Cal Maritime is in Vallejo, which is only 15, 20 minutes from where I grew up. And I applied and I got accepted. And turns out it was the right uh, path for me. Yeah. So when you were here at California Maritime Academy, you went on a ship to get some sea days, learned some practical navigation and some seamanship. I talked to a lot of cadets about that experience. Mm -hmm. And what was it like for you? I had a great time. Just want to be honest here. I didn't have the best GPA. So in Cal Maritime standards, I didn't get the best pick. Everybody else before me, I don't know, picked tankers or like some of the top picks that get picked. I was left with what was left over, like what was at the bottom. So it ended up being 
a dredge named the Dredge Essayance. Well, I had heard that through talking with other cadets that had sailed on the Dredge Essayance, they got really good ship handling and the crew was really nice. So I thought, okay, this is this sounds great. I want to learn some ship handling. You know, where else am I going to get this experience? So I'll never forget the first day that I was supposed to join the ship. My parents drove me to the airport and I had to have them pull over as we well, pull over early as we approached the airport because I had to go throw up in the trash can right outside the airport. I was so nervous. <laughs> it was uh, I'll never forget that moment. I was just like, I've never felt that nervous before because here I am some cadet joining a big ship, which I mean, it's 300 feet at the time. I thought that was big. And uh, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if the crew was going to be nice to me. And I was like being sent off in this totally like, you know, foreign you know, environment. I'd never experienced anything like it. Turns out after my time there, well, I liked it so much that I stayed on and they actually paid me to like chip and paint. So I ended up making money out of it and I stayed longer and I got great ship handling experience. And after that assignment, I was sold. I was like, this is what I want to do for my career. I want to work on ships. So it was a very motivating experience. And I hope that a lot of cadets have that because that proved to me that I was following the right track, that I wanted to go back and I wanted to continue my maritime career and it helped me help like motivate me through Cal Maritime. Good. It sounds like you were on a great ship and they set you up well for when you had that shiny new license in hand Mm -hmm. upon graduation. So looking back in those early years, especially as a new mate, do you have any lessons learned you can share with us? Yeah. Something that I try to tell everyone thinking about where they want to go in their maritime career I always say, don't say you can't do anything or a certain thing. I told myself that I couldn't work on a tug because I thought the lines were too heavy. I couldn't throw them. And then I told myself that I didn't want to work on tankers because at the time I thought they were like dangerous. And I turned out working on both tugs and tankers. Tugs, I was able to throw the lines and it was a great uh, boat handling opportunity And, you know, working on tankers, I've made a career out of it. And it's actually one of the safest, highly regulated maritime fields in the industry. Another reflection of your career, was gender ever a barrier? You know, I really tried not to pay attention to that. I I wanted to fit in with the crew. I didn't wear makeup. I wore my hair back. I wore baggy clothes. I always just wanted to fit in with the crew, work hard and be validated by my my hard work and my work ethic. And I wanted to promote. I wanted to be successful in every position I was in and promote. I could think of maybe one or two times that I questioned, am I being treated like this because of my gender? And one time it was very obvious to me where a captain that I worked for called me into his office uh, and he said I was too hard on the cadets because at the time I was trained, I was in charge of training the cadets and I was like trying to set them up for success and like teaching them how to do all these like third mate things. And he said I was like too hard on them. And I was like, well, can you please talk about that a little more? Like I'm trying to set them up for success. You know, I want them to like show up on time and be professional and learn everything they can because that's only going to benefit them. And then I said, hold on. If I were a guy treating the cadets the same way that I'm treating them now, would you say that? Would you say that I'm too hard on them? And he said, uh, no, probably not. So like he admitted, <laughs> he admitted to me, which is fine. But I mean, it kind of like brought things to light. I mean, he was, I didn't feel like he evaluated me any differently. It was just feedback he gave me, but never like wrote anything down. But it was like the first time, like 
somebody verbally said something to me like that that made me realize like, oh, there could be some sort of gender bias. But you know what? It hasn't slowed me down. And I ended up, you know, promoting a captain within a year and kept going. Yeah, it has not slowed you down at all. (laughs) So you went on to sail as captain. What was your first voyage like? Sailing as captain. So I wanted to make sure I had a thorough turnover. So I showed up early to turn over with the senior captain that was on board. So I wanted to make sure like he was there when I took, you know, an arrival departure. Like I wanted to see like a full cycle of the ship and it was coastwise. So it was really only a week. And so as soon as he left, it was like dead silence. It was like me all alone. And I distinctly remember being on the bridge for an anchoring operation and thinking to myself, I have nobody I can say, turn to and say, hey, does this look good or does this look right? And like nobody looking over my shoulder to say, oh, a little more to the left, a little more to the right. So it was kind of this surreal feeling that everything is on you and which it is. As captain, you are responsible for a lot. But later on in the trip, I you know learned to use my team. My team was always there for me, but it was just a matter of me recognizing that and then using them as a a resource to help succeed together. So after you sailed as captain for a few years, was the job what you thought it would be? Yeah, there are a couple of things that I didn't expect in the captain's position. One of them being all the medical issues I had to deal with. So with Chevron, the captain is a medical officer that may be different for other companies. But for my company, I act as the medical officer. And so really, I had a lot of medicals and I had I had said that to my relief, who was a male captain. He said, oh, I hardly get any. They probably just feel more comfortable coming to you. And so I'd get all these, you know, minor things, but it's good. They're supposed to report them. I remember one time specifically, I had a crew member come up to me and his finger was infected and it was swollen. It was like twice the size of his other fingers. And so I was like, yep, you're going ashore. And I mean, fortunately, we're on a coast-wise run so I could just get a launch for him and set him ashore. And so he came back and they advised that he go to surgery right away. Otherwise, he could suffer nerve damage, other things like that with this infection. And so he came back and I'm expecting him to tell me, hey, I'm going to get off the ship. I got to get this taken care of. And he came back and he said, oh, it's OK. I'll just uh, wait till I go home. I'm like, um, no, you're not <laughs> like you could lose your finger. Like you're going to pack your bag and then we'll get you all taken care of. And so. That was part of the job that I didn't uh, realize. And also what it ends up being is that you really don't want those types of things being a liability for the company. And so I found myself being a company representative and that's what they expect from you. And so as a company representative, I also had to deal with other like legal confidential items. So I'd get emails from lawyers asking for me to you know, respond in a legal and confidential manner on certain things. And so that was a big surprise to me. But after sailing a couple of years as captain, you know, it was it was challenging and it was rewarding and I'm glad I did it. But after a couple of years, I kind of like what's next? Like I, I, I couldn't see myself being in that role for the next 10 years. Yeah. So that brings me to my next question. You went on to become a vessel superintendent at Chevron. So for someone who is unsure of what a vessel superintendent does, can you share what your daily life is like? Sure. So it's a shoreside job. So that's been something that I have had to get used to in the transition. It, the Marine superintendent for Chevron, I'm, I help manage the four U.S. flagships that Chevron has. 
and then the two lightering ships that they have. And so what that means is that I'm tied to my cell phone. I'm supposed to, you know, be pretty much on call. You know, if a, a ship runs into an issue, they're supposed to call me and I'm supposed to give them advice. Or if I don't know the answer offhand, I know who to call to give them the best advice. I also, what's not the fun part of the job is performance reviews. So what I do is I go down to the ships and I inspect the ship and then I give the captains and the chief engineers feedback. And then sometimes, you know, feedback's always hard. And then if it's in the form of an evaluation at the end of the year, that's even harder. But, you know, it's kind of funny how this has all come full circle because when I was AB and sailing, you know, third May, I worked for the captains that I'm now managing. So the lesson here is be nice to your ABs and your third mates because one day they could be managing you and supervising you. (laughs) (laughs) That is great. That is great. I'm sure some of them are not surprised that you are where you're at now. Thank you. So looking back at your entire career, I'm sure you have a lot of advice to give. And I know that we have many cadets who listen to this podcast So for them listening, what advice do you have? What I've learned over the years is, again, I said earlier, don't tell yourself you can't do anything. Go and try it. And if it's not for you, then at least you've learned that it's not for you. I mean, try not to burn any bridges behind you. But there's a way to, you know, professionally and respectfully leave a job if you don't like it. The other one is uh, your career is personal. Don't let anybody influence it. Don't let relationships influence it. Don't let other maritime professionals influence it. Only you know what's going to make you happy. So really, when you figure out what's going to make you happy, then make the best decision for you at the time. And also, the other thing is keep the relationships that you have with uh, your maritime professionals or your mentors. Keep those relationships. Stay in touch with them. Check in with them every now and then. Go to events connect with them, you know, at Women Offshore or Sea Sisters or on Instagram, whatever media you decide to, to choose, because really, who knows, you know, if, if they can open a door for you. And really, once that door is open, you know, it's up to you to continue with that hard work to, to keep that door open. That is great advice. Thank you, Captain Wallace. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Allie. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for tuning in to the Women Offshore podcast. This has been episode 30. What are you doing tomorrow? Tomorrow, Friday, October 2nd, I'm hosting the Women Offshore Conference virtually. Tickets are still available. You can sign up at womenoffshore.org to hear from women such as Captain Amanda Wallace, who you heard today. I hope to see you tomorrow for the conference. Until next time, stay safe out there, and I'll talk to you soon.